and welcome to Passing the Mic, a podcast where we take a look at the local music scene in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, and the surrounding area. I'm your host, Michael Pye. This is a podcast of Central Michigan Life. Be sure to visit us at cmlife.com and find this podcast on Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. Today on Passing the Mic, we have Henry and the ETV. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi. I'm Henry Walters. I'm the kind of band leader, songwriter. Um, I started as a solo act before I started working with ETV here. I play uh, guitar and I sing in the group. My name is Sid and I play the drums. I'm Dante and I play the bass. Cool. So, when did you all start learning music? Um, it's been lifelong at this point. We've all been involved in school band. Yeah. I guess the first time I started learning music was in fifth grade when I learned the recorder. So did you play in bands before this one? Yeah, I've been playing since I was like 15 and I'm close to 30 now. So it's been a minute. <laughs> um, I had, I had uh, jammed with friends in high school and stuff, but I never had a serious band really until I started um, putting out music as a solo act and, put put together the band to start playing live um in 2019 yeah same for me so is the etv i guess is that like the name of your backing band as in you know like the e street band something like that yeah kind of like like the spiders from mars you know bob dylan and the band (laughs) yeah it gives dante and i a bit of an open-ended framework to do alternate projects as well, though. Cool. So, I guess my next question is, what best describes your genre? I say psychedelic rock a lot of times. I identify with a lot of genres. Um, For some of my earlier material, I think maybe New Wave is a little more fitting. Um, But... I've been saying psychedelic rock, psychedelic rock, a lot more and more recently. Um, maybe, maybe touching on punk. <laughs> but he has a wah wah pedal, so it's undoubtedly psychedelic rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to have the wah wah effect, and uh, yeah, all the mushrooms or whatever. Now, going off that, what would you say your earliest influences are? Um, probably the Beatles. The Beatles are up there <laughs> for me, yes. Um, also, seeing like the Gorillas music videos as a kid when Demon Days came out, that was something that really got me interested in um, making music. What do you like, Dante? Uh, I started listening to classic rock pretty much when I was a kid. <laughs> like, uh, all sorts of artists. Yeah, classic rock is my genre too, by the way. So, yeah. So how did you guys meet? Me and Sid are brothers. Um, we've been playing together since we were both like teenagers. Um I met Dante in high school. Um, we were both in band class together. Um, 
and we all started playing together as a group shortly after I graduated. Um, we ran into each other at the bank. Yep. <laughs> That's the formation of the band, meeting at the bank. So who came up with the idea to like start this as a band? Um, it all just kind of happened naturally, actually. Um, you booked some shows, right? I, I had been um, writing a lot of songs. And me and Sid recorded a an album, uh, an EP in 2018. It's just a self-titled Henry EP. It's called. Um, and shortly after that, uh, yeah, we got a show booked. Um, but at that point, it was just me and Sid, so we had to find a bass player. Um, and then that aforementioned. There bank was. meeting <laughs> <laughs> happened um so it wasn't really a um uh thing that i set out to do with a lot of ambition it just kind of happened um and it, it ended up working well so we stuck with it now did anyone have to play catch up or were you all at equal levels uh we were all pretty at equal levels um having had a lot of similar musical experience with band class and with um, playing with friends and stuff, we were all um, pretty familiar with improvising and with learning songs and stuff. So we all meshed together really well musically. All right. So I guess next, take me to a typical band practice. Like what's the environment like? Is it fun or down to business? You know, who arrives first or last, that kind of thing. Uh, it's, it's at our dad's house. Yeah. And Dante rolls through, and then we burn down, and then <laughs> we go upstairs, and we make a racket for, like, 45 minutes to an hour, and then I take out my earplugs when we're done. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like it's more fun than, like, down to business. Oh, it's all business. Yeah. <laughs> but you can definitely experience pleasure while getting the necessary work done. There will sometimes be some tense practices but <laughs> but you know it's a lot of work so it is what it is this guy's <laughs> a stickler regarding his vision did you ever see how big of a dick paul was in the get back documentary <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah the new uh documentary on disney plus yeah i still haven't seen the whole thing it's a really long yeah. really long documentary. it is long that's true a lot of bickering <laughs> All right. So when making music, what is the songwriting process like? Um, I try to uh, think of lyrics as often as I can. A lot of times I'll just be at work or walking around town thinking of lyrics. And, and uh, I don't really have music in mind when I write the lyrics and I don't really have lyrics in mind when I write the music. A lot of times I'll just improvise on acoustic guitar and I'll come up with um, some chords that fit together well. And with um, all the all the writing I do lyrically and musically, eventually I'll find things that I'll find music and l words that fit together. <laughs> yeah. Now, are you the primary songwriter? Do the others like assist with songwriting? Um, yeah, they assist. I, I write the songs on 
acoustic guitar typically it's more like arrangement and yeah they that's well put on sid's part i i write the songs and then they'll typically help with arranging the the instrumentations dante does a lot of writing the lead synth parts sometimes um we all play synthesizers though so it kind of varies from track to track i i come up with the song structures and the lyrics and the chords and then they'll help with a lot of the additional bass lines and percussion bits and lead synths and stuff like that. All right. So do you start with uh, primarily instruments or vocals? Um, most of the time I'll flesh out a song more on guitar before I have the words finished. Hen always brings us like finalized songs too. Like when, when Hen has a song that he's ready to like present to us, then he's like, here are the parts and Dante and I know where to fit in. Cool. So when you're making music, what is your reference mix? So in other words, what artists and bands are you listening to during the songwriting process? Do any of them, do any of them give you a boost of inspiration? I like, some artists who um, I try to write in a similar structure to would be like Buddy Holly or the Beatles, yeah, or even Kurt Cobain is a good example of a songwriter who really focuses on the song structure, you know, writing bridges and verses and choruses that all flow into each other really well. I like Motown a lot. Um, um i've been listening to more jazz lately so so we do have a fair bit of improv improvising in our uh, act um it's hard to really choose um a small list of artists who influence what we do because we all have such diverse tastes in music i'd say an important thing to add in to that type of question is we really do not discriminate genre wise like well there are bands that are favorites all music is pretty much up to be considered so if it's good then maybe it might be an influence at some point um, so take me through the recording of your first ep henry what was a standout well I guess to start with, how did track by track formulate into an EP? Um, well, I got my I got a Tascam tape recorder. That's how it started. And then Penn wrote an EP, and I recorded him. Um, it it was all really non planned. It was it was chaotic. It was we very knew chaotic. Nothing about recording. <laughs> It really started out as more of a, a prod, an experimental project, just sort of a hobby that, that ended up being something I really felt accomplished in doing. So I, I kind of kept with it. Right. So what was a standout track on that EP for you? I think Loa is the song that got the most recognition. It was actually the first one we recorded of the EP. Um, I wrote it all just in one night. I stayed up all night and wrote it. And then 
the next day me and Sid recorded it in a couple hours. Yeah. I was working third shift and I got home from work in the morning and then Hen and I just busted the track out like right after that. Yeah. It was like eight in the morning when we recorded it. <laughs> um, but it actually got uh, quite a bit more recognition than I expected. Um, actually the, the guitarist of the lemon twigs michael diodario he found the track on twitter somehow and retweeted it so that was really cool i thought yeah i imagine it felt awesome to get that type of uh, recognition there yeah it was really it was pretty sweet i remember when i saw it on twitter i told my sister about it and she screamed (laughs) (laughs) so what are the main themes and messages of that song or for that matter the ep or are the songs like connected or not connected they are somewhat connected um the henry one ep is very immature it's got a lot of high school attitudes um (laughs) it's um yeah it's very teenage angsty (laughs) it's a very angsty ep (laughs) also party yes it's about party and hardcore that's true (laughs) Yeah, partying and psychedelics seem to go hand in hand. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Comes with the job. <laughs> so what was going on in your lives to inspire those songs? Like a lot of partying? Well, for one, yeah, hanging out with people. And and just sort of the the relationships I was having with people at the time, you know, being in graduating high school and um you know some of it's about girls and shit it's nothing too deep it's all just a lot of a lot of psychedelic nonsense pretty much um it's more about it's more about the pop writing than the deeper meaning of the songs it's about the listening experience more than the meaning of the songs oh yeah i get that it's not like you know, something deep, like if you're listening to a Bob Dylan song, it's more like put it on and you know, you're partying and that exactly it's you rock out. It works well <laughs> for for background music. <laughs> um it, I have to say actually, Henry the EP was largely inspired by Brit pop. I was listening to a lot of nineties British stuff at the time. Um a lot of blur and supergrass and elastica, stuff like that powder <laughs> yeah powder is another really good grip pop band <laughs> for those who don't know <laughs> now what about your latest album roasty toasty um is that a similar story
Toasty Toasty is a little more in-depth um, with songs like True to You, um, trying to touch more on um, like honesty of self and and the realization of goals and stuff like that. You know, it's not so much about partying. It's more about getting stuff done, you know? <laughs> um, tracks like Lingerer and Inner Conflict and Time Machine, I think really uh, reflect a uh, deeper thought put into the songwriting than Henry One does. I definitely spent more time writing the songs on Roasty Toasty than I did on Henry One. Now, what about the song Glitch in the Matrix? I heard you guys perform that on your uh, Summit Sessions live stream. That's how I found out about you guys. I looked at the Summit Sessions live and found that you were one of the bands that appeared on there recently, and that was one of the songs you played. Um, Glitch in the Matrix... is kind of more similar to Henry one in that it doesn't really mean anything. I think, I don't know <laughs> what I'm singing about. I just <laughs> wrote it. It just kind of sounds, I thought it sounded cool. People like songs to have words. So sometimes you gotta just pull some words together. <laughs> so did the pandemic affect the writing and recording process of this album at all? We, we practiced through the whole More thing. So yeah, during the pandemic, we put our um our live show on hold. And actually, we got a lot of recording for the album done throughout the pandemic. Throughout um 2020 is when we mainly worked on the album. And uh, th- then we had it released by summer 2021. Um, so in a way, having some free time was uh, sort of beneficial to the recording process. Now, was it recorded like in separate areas, like socially distant? Did you use the same studio? Like where was it recorded? Kind of it was recorded at our practice space. Um, and once again, Tascam four track tape recorder. Yeah, so it was just got to be in distance of the microphone at the home studio. Um, there wasn't much social distancing honestly between us but i see henry like close to every day considering so, yeah me and sid are brothers me and dante, dante work, work together, together at a sandwich shop so <laughs> we kind of have to see each other every day <laughs> anyway um, oh yeah that makes sense it helps that you know two out of three of the members are already related to begin with oh yeah it's convenient. <laughs> yeah, so let me see. Now, next up, I would talk about touring. So take me through a tour on the road experience. Like, what was your first show together in front of an audience? What was that like? We've never done a full tour yet. We've done some traveling around the state. Our first show was at Bay City at a venue called the Crown Pub. Um... It went pretty well. Um, we opened, <laughs> so there wasn't a huge crowd or anything, but the the people seemed receptive. Um, I ended up selling some CDs, so that was fortunate. 
What was the last show we played? Our last show was it Armageddon Beach Party or no? Have, have we done stuff since then? Our last show was at Bemos in Bay City in mid February, shortly after Summit Sessions. That went really well, actually. the The bar was pretty packed. It was a highly receptive crowd. A lot, a lot more active than a lot of shows we played. So that was cool. We've been slowly building for like three years, so it's oh, starting yeah. to happen in that regard. So, like, for each show, like, how do you get there? Like, do you drive together? Uh, we typically take two cars. Yeah, we have a lot of gear to haul. So, um, I'll just ride with either Dante or Sid, whoever's got the extra seat, <laughs> um, depending on what all we're bringing that night. Yeah, we got to get a trailer. That would be nice. A trailer or a sweet-ass van. <laughs> oh yeah now who gets the aux cable i have to ask everyone that <laughs> oh well, we take turns we'll honestly yeah i i'll i'm cool with whatever anyone in the band is listening to <laughs> my, my car only has a cd player <laughs> <laughs> well that's interesting you don't hear as much about cd players in cars anymore they're kind of that's kind of getting out of style oh yeah yeah i drive an 07 <laughs> yeah my car is an 08 but i still use its cd player like all the time i i carry like nine or ten essential cd albums with me when wherever i go especially like on a long trip that's the way to go i i collect cds all the time so now when you get there who does the setup and uh tearing down things like that it's a group effort um we, we take pride in our ability to load and unload the gear quickly and efficiently. My, um, my brother Malcolm helps a lot in, <laughs> in hauling the gear. So got to give him a shout out. Also, shouting out Malcolm. He is involved in an ETV project as well called Pinky Boy, which rocks. Oh, cool. All right, so... Okay, tell me a little more about Pinky Boy, by the way. Um, it's a punk rock band where Malcolm is the vocalist and he writes the songs, and then Dante and I back him up. Oh, yeah. Dante plays guitar in Pinky Boy, which is pretty cool, considering he mostly does bass and in Henry with ETV. Cool. Yeah, we'll have to uh, look more into that. Now, your live album. Rockin' the Kitsch. Uh, first of all, on Spotify, I noticed that it shows up twice for some reason under your list of albums. That's yeah, because Lander is annoying. Yes. AF. Lander has zero customer support. I stopped using their distribution service. I switched to a different distribution service, and I took all my albums off of my account with Lander, and they just never deleted they never deleted rock in the kitsch for some reason. And I emailed them about it and they never responded. So even though I don't have an account with Lander, one of my albums is still being distributed to streaming services through Lander. So it's up there twice. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh yeah. I was wondering about that. I look at the, both of the albums, both of the copies of the album, the track listings and they're identical. So I was kind of wondering about that. That's just due to 
being a local band, there's not a lot of professionalism in the distribution services. You know, it'd be nice if I had like, like a PR team who could take care of this type of stuff, <laughs> but I'm doing this all on a fucking rundown laptop. So, <laughs> um. All right. Now, what was recording that, or I guess first off, what led to the decision to record that particular performance onto an album? Um, Rockin' the Kitsch was the... That was our... It was the release, release show. show for Nebo with Hippie Killer. Um, it was a single, a double A-side single I did in the summer of 2020, I want to say. Or, no, I'm mistaken. It was 2019 when we recorded it. Um, we had it pressed onto a, a seven-inch record, and um, at the release show for that, we recorded the live album. Hmm. Now, how did you guys get it recorded? Just on a uh, small portable Tascam digital yeah, four track. I used a Tascam DR04 field recorder and I just put that at the back of the store and luckily people were quiet enough that we could just capture the show. Then I took the digital file and I ran that onto my tape machine and then we just digitized from there. Hmm. Yeah, so nothing too fancy, like no advanced soundboard, just slap a recorder somewhere and <laughs> we're, we're a very DIY band. <laughs> it was a very, very lo-fi project. Yeah, I'm getting the general, you know, not that it's bad or anything. You know, I'm yeah, I am getting the general DIY vibe. No, we're actually thing. moving into a, a more professional sound. Sid recently got a a, a pretty I've, I put together digital a recording, recording setup. rig recently. Oh. So that's been my focus as of late. So the next project should definitely have a more hi-fi <laughs> effect to it. Yeah. Now, uh, do you have... Oh, oh, yeah, you mentioned a next project. Like, do you have another album currently in the works right now? I'm, I'm writing currently. There are some different uh, different projects that we have to prioritize first. Um, Pinky Boy, like we mentioned earlier, I, it would be cool to see that recorded soon. Um, my sister Jane is also a songwriter. She plays ukulele and sings. Um, we've been talking about recording an album with her. Um, so, uh, a future Henry project is in the works, but it's not prioritized right now. It's on the back burner at the moment. Also, the ETV project is, like, in the midst of being constructed, but that's in pieces at the moment, so there's not a date in sight for when that's coming out. Yeah. Now, what about live shows, like, in the near future? Like, what are your current plans? Like, are you planning on doing more full-scale touring or just, you know, more, like, you know, play a show here and there over the... I mean, if I could afford to tour, I've like, been thinking about that's like thousands of dollars. I've been thinking about planning a tour. I've been putting into, um, I've been working on ideas of like venues we could play at in different cities and stuff. Um, we know people in Kentucky, 
and New Orleans and L.A. So those are definitely spots I'd like to hit in the near future. Um, at the moment, a tour isn't really in the works, but we've got a few shows across Michigan planned at the moment. We're going to be playing at Saginaw later this month. We're going to be coming to CMU, actually, at the end of the month to um, perform at the CD release of CMU's student-run label, More Media Records. They did a compilation CD, um, and they had us record a couple songs for that. So when that's released, we'll be heading to Mount Pleasant. And then in June, oh, I'm skipping one. <laughs> May, we're going to be down in Hamtramck performing at the New Dodge Lounge. And then in June, we'll be playing at a local festival hosted by the band Nuke and the Night Shift. They throw a festival called Crunk Fest in Mikado, Michigan. Um, so uh, we're a little bit busy at the moment. Nothing, no real tour dates or anything, just kind of playing across Michigan. Yeah, I mean, yeah, with a lot of these uh, small bands that we talk to, that's kind of the general vibe we get you know just uh yeah playing a few shows at bars and such and you know there's nothing wrong with that you know it's just uh you know local bands looking for a good time sure for supporting bands i i think a um a tour could definitely be in the works in the near future i've i've really been putting thought into doing like a mini tour like a midwest tour i'd like to hit chicago um maybe cincinnati a few places like that in the surrounding states. Um, we're yet to play Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo, too. I'd like to hit those for some bigger cities in Michigan. Now, I'm not sure I heard correctly. What does your brother say about backing bands? Oh, Michigan does not have the strongest infrastructure for supporting a band. So that's the opportunity that us smaller bands have is sporadic shows over the course of a year. Oh, um, so I guess, could you elaborate on that? Like, how could uh, Michigan improve that infrastructure, do you think? Well, number one is the people who book shows have to be willing to pay the artists who come and play. That's true. We've played many a show with a local promoter who doesn't do any promoting, expects the band to do their job for them, and then they want to make money off the artists. Um. We've had some negative experiences down in Ann Arbor with local promoters and, and the like. I've actually recently took into planning our shows myself rather than dealing with promotion agencies because there's just not a lot of benefit to, to us paying $100 for gas and then we do close to 10 hours of work to make $30. I'm not trying to diss on any venues, but we've had some negative experiences. <laughs> so... Um, That being said, it's part of the gig, you know. If you're not doing it because you love it, don't do it. It's about the music, yeah, not the not the money, so it's cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean I mean, you could get that you could say that about pretty much any line of work, but especially with the music industry, especially the way it is these days. Yes, it's Definitely a labor of love. <laughs> yeah, and especially with, you know, how Spotify handles streaming royalties. 
Oh yeah. I mean, I tried to tell them it's either me or Joe Rogan, but they wouldn't listen. <laughs> oh yeah. They're more likely to listen. I mean, the person most likely to make an impact is say, if you're Neil Young or. <laughs> exactly. You know, someone of his caliber. Um, so next up, I have to ask, how does location inspire your music? Um, I, I, you know, I definitely am proud of Michigan's musical history. I, I'm inspired by quite a few Michigan artists, Alice Cooper, the White Stripes. George I, Clinton. George Clinton. Yes. I, um, I, I definitely take a draw from the cultural aspects of Michigan. Um, I would imagine my music would probably be different if I was from somewhere else. Um, it's like we have it really easy because if you're from Michigan, you already rock a little bit. <laughs> so we got like a head start in that regard. <laughs> now, aside from the uh, lack of infrastructure for supporting bands, like the negative experiences of venues and stuff, like what are some of the best or worst things about being a Michigan band, do you think? Um. I don't know. I, I can't complain too much. I feel like we've got a good group of bands to network between. There's definitely some bands in the area I like working with. Um, it would be nice if the crowds were a little more responsive at times, but you know, they're there to drink a lot of the time. So, um, What's nice though, is Michigan bands already kind of have an, an invitation to push the envelope. Like that's already a precedent that's been set. So if we're ever feeling like going wild, then that's not too out of the ordinary. That's just part of Michigan music. Yeah, I like how you mentioned, you know, people are usually there to just drink all the time because I was taking an advanced audio production class here at CMU and our professor is like, now normally when a band performs at a local bar, they'll get out a few, you know, sure mics, um, I forget the model number, like the basic. Uh... 58. Oh, yeah, SM58. You'll get a few sure SM58s and uh, set it up with that. It's not the best sounding mic, but no one cares because everyone's just there to, you know, drink and. Oh, yeah. It's ruckus. Usually a lot of um, a lot of PV gear in the soundboard <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Do you see yourself as part of a scene or more self-supported? Um, we we take part in the, um, I guess you could say the kind of punk scene around Bay City and Saginaw. Bands like Fake Hole, um, the Eight Armed Killer, is another artist we play with a lot. Um, so we're we're part of a small scene probably. Um, I've been trying to break through into like a larger, you know um more connected scene something the next tier of booking yeah yeah i'd like to start playing some larger venues and stuff like that um we've played a few larger venues like in ann arbor and detroit and stuff but but the scene we're a part of is more of a definitely a mid michigan tri-cities local or scene now, what are some other Michigan bands that you look up to? Um, 
they haven't done anything a while in a while, but I like the group, the Fuzz Rights. Um, I believe they're from Grand Rapids. Um, they have a another group. The same members are in a group called the B Sides that are kind of like a surf band. They're really cool. Um, they were on a label called Spin Out Records. I'm not sure if they do much these days, actually. Um, but all the the records I had heard from Spin Out Records were really cool. The Boss Mustangs were another Grand Rapids band on Spin Out Records that I'm a big fan of. Oh, don't forget the Beast in the Field, bringing it back to the Electric Kids. Oh, yeah. Beast in the Field, an awesome doom band um, where the owner of Electric Kit, Jordan, he was the guitar player. They were awesome, but they don't play together anymore. <laughs> um, oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I didn't know that Jordan was uh, part of a band's you know, before. Or during, was it during the Electric Kitsch? Oh. Oh, I see. Um, but yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, I've known about the electric kitsch for years, but I mean, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, they were they were really loud. They used to fill the whole back wall of the venue with a wall of cabs. <laughs> oh, um, also Michigan artist-wise, Counterfeit Amaro is dope. He's a local guy named Cody. He can fix your amplifier better than a lot of people. Super punk. And his folk <laughs> punk band was awesome. One of the punkest guys you could know. <laughs> oh, and Desiring Dead Flesh. We yes. cannot forget Desiring Dead Flesh. Desiring Dead Flesh. They toured all around the country. I bet probably a million damn people saw Desiring Dead Flesh. Yeah, actually, <laughs> as far as like local music goes, Brian Hampton has done more for this area than anybody. Yeah, if we're talking about a local scene, it would be wrong not to acknowledge the work that Brian Hampton has done. Desiring Dead Flesh, like add life to the michigan music scene yeah uh, did you say brian hansen oh hampton oh yeah i, I guess i yeah all right yeah I, I thought i was uh hearing something correctly but hampton all right um so who has been the best to co-headline a show with Oh, Fake Hole all the way. Oh, yeah. Fake Hole is a band we play with all the time. Formerly Teenage Funeral. Yup, that was their previous name. Hmm. Shout out to Logan, Noah, Mitch. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> so what have been some other bands that you've co-headlined with that um, you, know, you like? Were, <clears throat> sorry, I can't talk today. Um. What are some other bands that you've co-headlined with in the past that you've enjoyed playing with? I I like playing with uh, the Euclid Motel a lot. They Lately, they do like a kind of bluesy jam band thing. Uh, we played uh, quite a few shows with them recently. Um, my sister Jane is always a good one to put on a show. I, when I'm booking shows, I like to, I like to ask her to play a lot because I like her music it's not nepotism she's great <laughs> yeah so next i guess what is your opinion on like what is the best music town in michigan um well like i mentioned earlier we haven't really 
played much in some of the bigger cities like Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo yet, but my favorite is Detroit. If if we could play in Detroit more often, that would be that would be cool for me. Yeah, because um, yeah, we've heard different opinions on what Michigan's best music towns are. Um, but yeah, Detroit is uh pretty commonly mentioned. Yeah, I would say I I've heard good things about Ann Arbor. Too rich for me. <laughs> yeah. All right, so. Uh, let's see here. I guess that's about uh, yeah, about through uh, most you know pretty much uh, I mean portion of my question. So I guess I'd have to ask now um, if there was anyone looking to get into you know doing music like you guys are, what would your advice be for them? If you're happy with what you're doing, you are doing it right. If it sounds good to you, it is good. I would agree with that. You know, just stick. That's what. Some, that's what a lot of the songs on Roasty Toasty are about, doing what you think is true, doing what you think is right. You know, if you, if you want to make music, you should do it. You know, <laughs> you don't need to fucking stress it too much. Sorry to swear. I don't know what the rules are, I guess. But, um, you know, it doesn't need to be as, as hard as you might think it is. You know, it's, it's just the type of thing where if you want to do it, the first step is trying to do it you know and also it's a universal language so there is no wrong way to speak it that's well put <laughs> yeah and i like how you mentioned the rule if it sounds good it is good that that also calls me back to to my advanced audio class because we're talking about production techniques and uh you know methods like eqing instruments and things like that and the rule of thumb is, you know, it has to sound good. And if it sounds good, well, then it is good. Exactly. A lot of playing by ear. Yeah. All right. So, um, let's see, is there anything else you guys want to say? Um, I guess something I'd like to mention is I did a lot of talking about, um, songwriters that inspire me and stuff, but, um, in ter terms of music production, acts that necessarily don't even inspire my songwriting could influence my sound a lot. Like, um, a lot of like hip hop stuff was a major inspiration in recording Henry One, like MF Doom and the Beastie Boys. Um, a lot of like 80s hip hop drum sounds were what I was going for with the drum machines on Henry One. Um, um, that's why it's kind of difficult to really talk about our inspirations because so many different artists influence us in so many different ways that it's, it's kind of difficult to narrow down. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of get that vibe that, um, yeah, I do get a hip hop vibe when I listen to your, uh, Henry EP. So it kind of does make sense. Um, yeah, if. You know, I wouldn't completely rule it out in the future. Maybe one day I'll do a rap track. <laughs> but yeah, please come see our shows this summer. <laughs> We're going to be playing lots of shows. <laughs> yeah, now, uh, what was the exact date you were uh, coming to CMU? 
I believe it's April 22nd. Um, last I had heard, it was April 22nd. Thank you for listening to Passing the Mic. Once again, I am Michael Pye. For more great podcasts like this, check out Central Michigan Life Podcasts on Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a good one. Thank you.